Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Brandy Eiler, certified holistic wellness coach specializing in adrenal fatigue and chronic stress, host of Life on Purpose podcast, seeker of purpose, peace and passion, spiritual warrior, photographer, and mama of three. Brandy, welcome. Thank you, Carly. I'm glad that we get to talk again. <laughs> I feel like like this is my new bud, people. Like, so first of all, I love your podcast. I listen to it. Like, not just because I'm doing an interview, like I listen to it on purpose. I listen to life on purpose on purpose. <laughs> oh, that's it's perfect. Just, it's so good. And the reason why I have Brandy on, she is not a divorcee, thank God. I think she comes from an awesome, beautiful marriage. Um, both of your parents were divorced, both you and your husband, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we, yeah, we do. We come from divorced parents. Right. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but the reason why I have her on today listeners is because she's an amazing coach. We're going to go through some of the things that she's been through and it's really about finding out how we're going to heal and empower and grow through our challenges. And, um, I look at divorce just as I look at any challenge in our life as an opportunity to either, you know, have post-traumatic stress or growth. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you've had growth, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, um, which is kind of a lot of what I do with, um, working through kind of past traumas as it relates to chronic stress and adrenal fatigue, divorce is one of those. I mean, I have several clients who, um, have either gone through a divorce or come from divorces and it has affected their lives in some form or fashion. So that's kind of one of those big traumas that people have to work through. It's so interesting because I think that our bodies, you know, listening to some of your episodes, our bodies get sick when we're not living in the right way, which make it doesn't seem to make any sense, but it's complete. It makes complete sense. I was so sick before I got my divorce. Like my belly hurt all the time. And I remember going to like a chiropractor person and she's like, what are you holding in? I was like, I'm not holding anything. I don't know what you're talking about, but now I do. Like I was holding in the truth. Yeah, it, it's so true. And if you think about adrenal fatigue or even autoimmunity or like gut issues, any of those things, it kind of is the epitome of the mind body connection because all of that stuff that you're holding in, in or holding onto can manifest physically, which again, when we talk about kind of my story, that's exactly what was happening. Um, and it led me story, down. Yeah. A really crappy, <laughs> crappy right, I wanted there. Will you tell me and tell the listeners, because it's pretty much the beginning of your story. How old were you when your parents got divorced? Well, actually they never got divorced. He, um, they were separated and had, had separated and gotten back together and separated and gotten back together, um, several times. And they were separated when he took his own life. And I was 11 years old at that time. So, um, but they, 
my mom had me when she was in high school. So she was very young. My dad, um, was 20 when I was born, but had run away when he was 15. So there was not a really great foundation for them. Um, as far as like what a relationship would be and they were kids, you know, with this baby. And so kind of making it work the next 11 years. So did you live with your grandparents? No, I lived with my mom and dad. I mean, they got married, um, before I was born. Um, and then just, you know, kind of off and on through the, there were periods where it seemed calm. I don't remember a lot of turmoil. I remember a lot of sadness. I remember it being very sad. You mentioned um, it before that you felt sad for your mom and your dad, I, I, both of them. Yeah. Cause like I said, it wasn't like a lot of turmoil or fighting or anything like that. It was just, they would split up and then, you know, after a while they would try to work it out and then it would split up again. And we were kind of going to my dad's house, um, here and there. I, but I don't remember. Did anyone being, ever talk to you guys and like tell you what was going on? I don't remember if they did or not. Yeah. Um, my memories are very, very vague when it comes to that. Um, yeah. I wonder you know, if he, it's your brain's way of protecting you. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, I talk. so my brother, I have a younger brother and he doesn't remember any of it. He barely remembers much about my dad at all. So your um, father he, took his life when you were yes. 11. Yeah. On Was Father's this a surprise Day. for you? Yeah. You said on Father's Day? Yeah. Oh yeah. my Lord. <laughs> wow. He, um, yeah, he, I mean, I, I, so I understand painful. it now. Like he, again, you know, I've been told by, you know, family members and also my mom of kind of his, um, issues with substance. You know, he drank, um, experimented with drugs and there was always this, um, factor in his life where he was looking to fill a void. And I understand it now. I didn't really understand it as a kid, but you know, he had expressed, um, to my mom during points in their relationship that he never really felt loved. So, you know, his, his family life. And again, I don't know a whole lot about his side. We, we weren't, he was estranged from them when I was a kid. I don't know much about them, but both of his parents have passed away since, um, Wow, you're such really... an attic of a of a story that it's so interesting. I'm, I'm only speaking because I just went through my memoir and that writing process. I'm wondering, do you have any desire to dig at all into that side of the family? Um, I know that the grandparents are gone, but is there anyone else? I have. Um, I, yes, it does feel like a really big piece is missing, and I and I have always wondered about that side. But because it is so filled with turmoil and because it was so hurtful for him, like that side of the family, I've never really had a desire to really dive into it. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like I want to understand, but I also don't want that into my life either. Does he have any siblings? He has a lot of siblings. He was one of eight. I would be so curious. Yeah, I do. There's, there is, um, one of his siblings and um, his family that I um, kind of message back and forth on Facebook, uh, but that's the only one really out of out of eight. <laughs> so what I love about this and about your story is that, and I'm finding it so much now about our generational trauma, about what we go through and what we carry. Mm-hmm. And lately, this big, huge idea of forgiveness has become center in my life. And the best understanding I've gotten is that it just means to carry less. 
that I'm yeah. like choosing to not carry something that is not mine. And so you going through that as a child, and then you get to a place. And I remember you said to me, you thought you were done. Like, I'm not going to yeah. have any more challenging times. Right. You, you know, when you're a kid and something awful happens, you're like, all right. You know, you always think about this one big, awful thing happening to somebody. And you're like, that's their defining moment when you don't, you, it's, it's not a one and done. I mean, right. you don't just get one trauma in your life. Hopefully, you know, if you're lucky, you don't get any, or you just get one and then you kind right. of move on. But, but I felt like as a kid, I'm like, okay, this is going to be my burden to bear in this alone. And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. <laughs> what I, so, and we're going to get into that, but what I was thinking about today before we had our interview was I was thinking how your story can relate to so many of our listeners because of the challenging times you've gone through and your quest and your being a seeker and then what you've become. Yeah. And one of the things I always want to tell clients when they're at the beginning of their divorce and they're like making all these decisions and, and I'm really saying to them, like, you're at this place where you can make a decision about how you're going to behave is just because you choose to get a divorce doesn't mean you and your co-parent aren't going to face really challenging times ahead with your children. Like right. they're going to have life happen. Right. And so how do I want to co-parent with somebody? I need to do that in a way that is going to be able, I can walk through it with them next to them. on you know, on the same team. Yeah. And I think that I was thinking about your challenges that you've had, which I want to ask it about now, it must've helped having the partner that you have with your husband. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would have been a million times harder dealing with all those challenges had I not had a sounding board or somebody like a teammate to kind of run these things. Cause I mean, he's had his own traumas, um, which makes it easier, I think, to kind of be empathetic to somebody else's challenges. It does. Um, some of the things that like lifestyle changes and things that we went through or that I started to go through together, he wasn't, he, I mean, he was just like, what? I don't, right. you know, whatever. It, it took a little while to do, kind of, right? I mean, change is hard. Right? Will you take us through the story of like all of your stuff that happened as an yeah. adult? So I, my story actually kind of starts in the middle. Okay. Let's and do it. So, I mean, if you, it's kind of like one of those movies where the main character shows up on screen, like bustling through their lives living their best life and then boom like chaos and then the movie mm -hmm. works backwards and you can kind of it like builds to where that chaos happened yeah that's kind of where it starts for me and I was a mother of two at the time I was a small business owner photographer my husband had a very busy job I spent a lot of time doing things on my own with the kids and trying to keep it all together and I was let's see, 11 weeks pregnant with our third child. I'd finally, I'd finally talked to my husband into having another one. And I had taken a shower, was getting ready to eat lunch. And it was like a switch was flipped. I couldn't breathe. I, I blacked out, almost passed out. I couldn't, I like, I couldn't get any air. Like something was ha like something very physical was happening to me. And it was unlike anything that I had ever felt. So long story short, I drove myself to where were the kids? They were at school. They were school. So they were school aged. My daughter was kindergarten Wait, this is happening. And you drove yourself to the hospital. I drove myself to urgent care. I don't recommend it. Please don't ever do that. Listeners. 
Do but not again, drive yourself to urgent care when you can't breathe. Right, right. No, please don't. But again, I was one of those people who I hate to ask for help. Oh, and too. it's one of those things I'm working on and I'm really, you know, I've gotten a lot better at it, but I hate to ask for help. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this it's probably nothing. I'll just drive myself. So I went, Wait, pause um, they, for a second. yeah, because of who you are today. Do you think that you really thought it was nothing? Or do you think that you were telling yourself that? I, I was definitely telling myself that. Okay. Yeah. There was like, very in those much moments, like, like mm-hmm. we know, like even looking back, we know when it's not nothing, but we want to tell ourselves just like when you were a kid in school and you're like, I know I did bad on the test. Cause you're like trying to make it. So if you did do bad, it wouldn't like be bad, but you knew that you didn't. I got very, very good from a very young age, pretending like everything was okay. It's almost like I was trying to will myself that everything yeah. was okay. Yeah. And that if I tell myself everything's okay, it's going to be okay. Um, they ended up um, sending me on to the emergency room for tests because I was pregnant and they were concerned about pulmonary embolism and all this other stuff. And ultimately they did a battery of tests and found absolutely nothing. I was fine. The baby was fine went home and I was exhausted. And from that moment on, nothing felt right after that internally. And I couldn't explain, I didn't look any different, but I felt different on the ends. Like something was really wrong. And then two weeks later, um, my husband and I went in for our, I think it was our anatomy scan. Maybe, um, maybe that was too early. I don't know for an ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. There was a heartbeat two weeks earlier. And then when you were in the hospital, there was a heartbeat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Everything was fine. And according to the measurements, like her heart probably had stopped either that day you or the day it was before a girl. I found out after. Yeah. So it was, and it was at that moment that, you know, I, I had felt off anyway. And then all of a sudden there's this, this, it's just like the hammer came down. I had never felt even like, even with the death of my dad, I hadn't felt that crushing blow in a really long time. Like it crushed me. So the loss of this pregnancy and this baby and the hope for, you know, everything that we had hoped for her and what our family would look like was just gone. And from that moment on, I did what I always do. And I, you know, we dealt with the DNC and, um, my symptoms didn't go away. They actually got really like a lot worse. And I the symptoms you've been feeling for two weeks. Yeah. So the symptoms like the, I can't breathe. I, I just, I felt off and I can't explain what that means. I just felt off. like something was really wrong. And then I had this trauma that I was also trying to work through. And then, um, I did what I did best and I tucked it away and I went back to work in my very first session. Um, back. So probably a couple of weeks later was a newborn session Ugh. and I, cause I thought I could do it. And wow. I fought a panic attack the entire time because my nervous Did system was shot. I couldn't, um, mm, yes and no. I waited a really long time to tell a lot of people like the people closest to us knew, but no, no but did they really. know during the session that you were not okay? I, if they did, they didn't say anything. Wow. No, I bet. I, I mean, like I said, I felt like I felt like I couldn't breathe. It was awful. So from, I know this is kind of a really long, like we know, but our from this point on, are so important. Yeah. Yeah. So tucking that, tucking that away 
the week after week after week for the next eight months, I started to lose my hair. Um, it started to like really like thin out and it was, it was awful. I got really pale. Um, I would have these episodes again, where I just, I could not breathe. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't get enough air. Um, I, my joints started to hurt really bad. Like were, they, were people trying to give you medication saying you're crazy? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, sure. I would go see my doctor, my primary care physician. And They're like, do you want an Ativan? She basically said, she's like, you're just really, you're sad. You're depressed and you have generalized anxiety disorder. And I was like, but I've never been an anxious person in my life. That cannot be it. I know that's not it. Yes. I'm very sad, but this stuff happened before the loss of the pregnancy and my hair is falling out mm -hmm. and my joints are killing me. So after she, you know, she ran all these tests and she's like, there's nothing, I can't find anything. And so out of desperation, I ended up going after about eight months, the alternative route. And I found a practitioner. She, I like to say like, she saved my life, not physically. But Heather like, good? What's that? Is this Dr. Heather good? No, Heather George. No, um, this is Emily Mallon. Okay. So she was one of, uh, I think she was my very first podcast guest, but mm -hmm. she spent a, a solid hour with me going through my entire history and, and she held my hand at the end and I bawled through the entire time. And she said, I really think I know what's happening here. We're going to run some tests. I'm not going to say what I think it is, but um, and she did, it was the very first appointment with her and the very first battery of tests. I, um, I had an autoimmune disease. So Hashimoto's my thyroid was fine, but then I also had, um, adrenal dysfunction. So basically mm -hmm. my nervous system was freaking shot. It was yeah. shot. So having a diagnosis at that point, you would think, oh my God, I've got this lifelong issue because autoimmunity, there's no cure for it would be crushing, but it was like, Oh my God, I have an answer. People, somebody listened to me and somebody believes me. Um, but that's where I, I had to start working backwards. How did I get here? Mm -hmm. And that's the big question for me. And so, you know, she, she gave me a protocol of things that I could physically do like diet wise. And, but the one thing that she said to me and the one thing, um, any other practitioner I saw after that was you, you have to manage stress. I'm not stressed. What are you talking mm -hmm. about? I have a beautiful life. I have, it was bullshit. I had, mm -hmm. I had created this world around myself that was based on an idea of perfection that created an amount of pressure that I couldn't sustain. And I didn't this even know so I was doing it. important for the listeners, especially if you're going through divorce, that this idea that on the outside, we can make our lives look so good and we can, we believe it. Mm -hmm. And then we think, oh, I'm just going through this one thing. And we don't realize how much it affects our whole life. And the question about like, how did I get here? Yeah. It's, there were so many things that we all had to do in order to make everything work and make it okay. That when we finally get to the place where we're like, this isn't okay, our whole world changes. So, and I imagine that that happened with you. You had to change so much about your world. Right. And I, the, the very first thing that I had to do was recognize that I was putting an immense amount of pressure on myself and I didn't realize that I was doing it because I had done it my whole life. I don't ever remember a time where perfection wasn't important to me. I was a very like neat, like super neat, tidy kid. Like everything in my life had its place 
and its purpose. And I had to, it, I, I couldn't lose control. Of, right. You needed to have something to control because your life was on the outside was not in control. Right. And I, I mean, and again, I, it happened before I was even born, I was born into chaos mm-hmm. and I had to have that control over what I could control, I guess. Um, and so, and then I also had the tendencies of tucking things away and keep on trucking. I'm fine. I just tuck it away and I keep on trucking and that's it. And that's how I would deal with things. And it wasn't healthy at all. I mean, and so, you know, when I'm working with my clients, I have them visualize a bucket. Buckets are not like flower pots that have drains at the bottom. You have a certain amount of shit that you can handle. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about drips in a bucket, this is all the daily stresses. These are your traumas. These are the daily stresses. This is the kids, the job, the house, the bills, um, your own internal voices, drip, 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 drip. And if you don't do things intentionally to drain the bucket every once in a while, it's going to overflow. And that's going to spill out into your mental health, physical, like physical health. That's how it manifested for me was very much like physically, And if you don't do things to drain it every once in a while, it's going to overflow and your nervous system is going to be shot. Your health is going to be shot. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to look like shit. And it's a really crappy place to start from. You know, I remember when I was going through my divorce or like that period right before when I was in that tremendous pain and my friends would be like, Oh my God, you're so skinny. Like what's going on? And, you know, my whole life, I always wanted to be so skinny because I had an eating disorder. And at this time I was finally like, so skinny, like scary skinny. And I remember and you were unhappy. I was, I was more miserable than I've ever been in my whole life. Right. When I got on the scale, I couldn't believe the number I saw. And it took me, you know, from that period of time to this period of time, about a year ago, where I made the decision, I was like, I can no longer live like this. Like I need to love my body the way it is. Cause I kept comparing like, well, how come I'm not the number I was when I was so, so skinny. And I was like, I was miserable. I was living a lie. I was broken. I was just lost. And mm-hmm. I ended up getting a coach just like throw out your scale, like yeah. <laughs> throw out your scale. Like it's not, it's not helping you. Well, it's so funny. That is one, that is one area that I never, as much, as much like perfection as I tried to attain, it was never with my body. I've never owned a scale in my life. You're so ever. Lucky. You're probably that the was, first woman I've ever spoken to in my whole I, life. That it's did the not weirdest thing. Issues. I know. I know. It's the weirdest thing. I've never owned one. The only time I know how much I weigh is when I go to the doctor right. <laughs> for like a checkup. So, but, but while like, this is happening, isn't everything else around you also falling apart? Like your family, everyone's a mess, right? Aren't there like people and they're um, getting sick? So I got sick. Um, we had, we had some friends, some very, very dear friends of ours who lost their, uh, toddler to cancer. Um, and then, you know, I had issues getting pregnant and staying pregnant. And then I finally get pregnant. And then my husband's father gets really sick, um, with colon cancer and dies very quickly. Actually he died. He passed away on the day that our son was born. Wow. Um, So it's just all these all of these just crazy things happening all at once. And it just must have been so insane for him to lose his father and to get his son on the same day. It was, it was a surreal day to say, I don't know how else to describe it. He, 
he basically, we got the news, um, cause I had to be induced cause I was high risk with him just cause of my health issues. Um, I got, was induced at around midnight. We got the call at 2 AM that he had passed. Um, and then our son was born at like 1130 in the morning. So it was, he, wow. he basically got the news, shut it off, was, you know, got to me show through. Up. Yeah got me through. And then once, you know, he knew that Tristan was here and safe and healthy was when he had his, his breakdown. So yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot over a couple of years that was just like, okay, we can't handle So life was slamming you in the face. At what point do you make the decision to become a coach? <sighs> it was, it was a couple years in, um, See, I started my business right, right in January 2020, right before. Oh, wonderful! You know, great time to great time to start a business, right? Right. <laughs> the year that brought so much joy. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I finally felt like I had a handle on things, and I had really, like, I had um, kind of started really helping friends or other people had reached out was when I realized, you know what, I, it feels like a duty. Like I cannot have this information and I cannot have this knowledge and I cannot have all of this and not help people. Because you have um, been through so much and you knew you found some really key pieces that mm-hmm. you knew other people were going to need. And that's why you, you almost felt like a calling. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I really wished that I had had somebody, um, to walk, to point me in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I really had to dig, you know, doing the kind of lifestyle changes, diet changes, making that connection between, um, you know, your, your mind and your body is not commonplace per se. And not, and especially not where I live. Um, so those alternative ways of thinking and those alternative practices are not something that somebody would just be like, oh, you know, why don't you go this route? It was really something that I had to say, okay, I, I, this is not, this is not working. I know I'm not crazy, even though you're telling me I'm crazy, there has to be more. Um, so having somebody like help me dig that out and really make those connections. It was, it was very much a spiritual journey for me. For Mm. a lot of people, it's just the physical part of it. Okay. What do I need to do? Um, how do I replenish, you know, vitamin deficiencies? Um, how do I change my diet? Those things are, those things are hard, but they're easy. Does that make Mm. sense? Those are the easy things. The spiritual part of it and the really clearing out of all of the other stuff, and even uncovering all of the other stuff mm-hmm. is the hard part. Even making that connection between, and I like to describe it like this. When I realized everything that I was holding on to and everything that I had buried for so long, it felt like I had been holding my breath for yes. 30 some years. Well, I bet that was what was happening towards your end was like, you literally, yeah. you, had, you kept talking about how you kept talking it away and talking it away. Where do you think you're talking it? It's not like you're putting it in an attic. You're putting it within yourself. And yeah, and that manifests yourself, right? physically. And eventually it comes. So before we get into your coaching, my question that I would have you, I would like you to answer is if you could turn back time to talk to yourself at the beginning of that end, when you were, when you finally heard like what's going on with you, but then you knew that like, that wasn't just the only solution. You had so mm-hmm. much more work to do. What advice or guidance do you wish you would have had at that moment? 
really, it boils down to authenticity. Um, because I was, I was creating a world around myself that felt like it was protecting me, but it was, it was all fake. (laughs) Does that make sense? I really wish I would have allowed myself to be authentic in the sense that there were times that I wasn't okay. And that's okay. Um, when we do that for other people, it gives them the permission to be that themselves. That's why like my favorite saying is permission to be human, because when I get to show you my humanity, then you go, Oh, I can do that. I I'm okay. Like, because we look at everyone, you know, on social media and we're like, they seem like everything is together and nobody has any clue. No, no, not at all. And like I said, I had worked really hard to create this life, but I realized that I wasn't it wasn't mine. I was doing it based on what I thought other people wanted me to do mm. and wanted me to be. And one of my, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite things in my, in my coaching practice is I like to tell my, my clients stop watering fake plastic trees. Oh, I love that. I, I Why would you I, water a fake plastic tree? It's not going to grow. It's not going to flourish. Why waste your time on something that's fake? And so if you think about your life as this, like, fake, and I will yeah. let everyone know you said it. I have a question. Yeah. When you're struggling, do you have something that you say to yourself on the inside? No, not necessarily. I, when I'm struggling, I, I don't necessarily know why all the time. So I have, <laughs> I have an app. Um, it's a meditation app. Okay. It helps me figure it out because I don't necessarily know all of the time why I'm of struggling. Of course, you can't know all the time. I'm very much a person also, and, and I found this out later, kind of when I was discovering, you know, all these things that I was holding on to is that I very much internalize other people's emotions too. So, you're so an I don't always know if what I'm feeling is my own or yeah. if it's somebody else's stress. Yeah. Um, so I internalize that a lot. Yes. Which... that's probably been one of my biggest challenges is getting rid of that. Right. So So that's where my, um, so my bestie, Sarah, she reminds me and I have it written down on a beautiful thing in my mantle. It says there's two kinds of business, my business and none of my business. And when I stop and I ask myself, is this my business? And, And sometimes I actually have to say it out loud. Like, if I'm in an argument with my husband and he's like upset about something, and I'm like, this is not mine. Like, yeah. I, it's like, if you were like, if you spilled a bunch of stuff on the floor with a, with another person and you're picking it up and they're like, no, take this. And you're like, no, this is not mine. Exactly. It's not mine. Right. And so it feels selfish to say that, but it's actually not because we need to honor. We have plenty to, to take care of our, on our own, like of our own self. So getting to your coaching, tell me how you decided what area you wanted to be coaching in and who are your clients? Um, I work with women period. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not that I don't have, that I have anything against men, but I feel like as, as women and mothers, especially we, we think that we can do it all. And, uh, we have a hard time taking care of ourselves. So if you think about people that deal with, adrenal fatigue, especially it's that chronic stress and it's that wearing too many hats and it's taking on too much. 
that manifests in that physical breaking down of your nervous system. Um, and that was one of the biggest things for me, autoimmunity aside, it was the adrenal fatigue that I was struggling with the most. I got all that other stuff under control, piece of cake food. You know, my, my diet is really clean. Lifestyle is really clean. I cleaned that up really good, but it's all that other stuff, learning to say no, learning to take things off your plate. Wait, that really... You say you love saying no, that you kind oh of look the opposite way and you like, you get excited about it. And I actually believe that saying no is a spiritual act. It was my favorite respect, thing. Right? Once I started doing it, I couldn't stop. And then I, I had to be like, responsibility okay. is to stop and pause <laughs> and ask myself something that I've been really doing lately, especially with all the hats I'm wearing is, is this going to serve the goal that I have? Mm-hmm. If it's not, yes, I wish I could do it, but I can't. Yeah. So going back to that with your clients, you Mm -hmm. work with women, mothers mostly. Yeah. And what do they come to you for? Strangely enough, um, you know, I am a chronic stress and adrenal fatigue coach, but I would say the majority of them that come to me have not been um, like officially diagnosed with adrenal fatigue they're burned out. They're spiritually burnt out. They're lacking purpose. They're str- like, they just, I'm unhappy. And I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy. There's, I, I can't do it all. Um, so a lot of, a lot of what I do is, is more of a spiritual and purpose driven coaching practice, helping them kind of, you know, pinpoint where is this imbalance? Because the approach that I use, um, it's called the wellness 360 approach. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. So please tell us about it. Yeah. We don't always know where our imbalance is starting from. So, so can I just say something for a second? And then I want you to explain yeah. it. I truly think that my clients, after they get through like the hell of the legal process and like they're getting their lives physically situated with new, like, how do I manage as a single parent? Yeah. Because even if you get remarried, you're still a single parent because they're only your kids. Like you're responsible for them. So that's when I feel like that they need to come to you and be like, okay, I'm not dealing with legal stuff anymore. I'm not dealing with like scheduling stuff. I, I've got this under control, but I still can't breathe. And that's when they need to come to you and get some purpose. Right, right. And if you think about your life, if you think about your life, you know, as a, a circle and everything's connected. So you have your relationships, your career, finances, spirituality, mindset, purpose, and then the very basic needs of, you know, food, water, air, body, sun, everything's all connected. So if you have an imbalance, say you have a really shitty relationship and it's, it, that's going to trickle down into how you eat. And you might have a really crappy diet because you're depressed about your relationship, or it's going to trickle down into your career because you can't focus at work because your relationship is sucky. So it touches everything. So what I help clients do is figure out, okay, where is this imbalance coming from? And that's the first step. And then we work, I mean, we hyper-focus on that. And usually what happens is when you start to put that little area back into focus, it's going to trickle. You're going to have more energy to work out. You're going to be drinking more water. You're going to spend more time outside and you're going to see it in your physical health. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to, you know, work with my clients on is everything's connected. Your physical health and your emotional health are 
are all connected. Um, Is that why you say 360? Because it's a whole. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole picture. It's a 360 picture of your life and, and all the facets of it. And it trickle. I mean, everything touches the other. Um, and so that, I mean, that's ultimately where we start and you're going to see transformations trickle down into all other, all other areas of your, your, you mentioned before when we were talking that you do visualization stuff with your clients too. Cause I remember telling you that I like to make them like look ahead and figure out Mm -hmm. like, you get to choose. Are there any um, cool visualization that you want to share with us? Yeah. So and this one's funny because I'm I'm also a photographer. So I right. So you have like an. So I will have them zoom out, and what I mean by that is picture yourself. Like we we become so hyper focused on our problems sometimes, and you yeah. can just you can just magnify it, and it feels so so big. But if you zoom out, or imagine you're on this like space station and you're looking down at the planet. How big do you think your problems are going to look and feel if you're like way up here? And then on the other hand, you know, if you, if you also hyper-focus on, you know, these, these, they're, they're going to feel huge. I mean, these problems are going to feel huge, but if you can see all the riffraff in your way, when you zoom out, it's easier to be like, okay, none of that other stuff matters. Cause you right. can get really confused about what matters and what doesn't. Yeah. If you're, if you know, if, and the if zooming out is where you get perspective. Right. And so yeah. like I do, I did this thing where literally, you know, like when you have your a map on your phone and you you see like, so, so you see your house on the phone, mm-hmm. you zoom with your fingers. If I zoom 12 minutes, which is like an inch, right. Um, from my house, a car drive is a home that we bring clothes to and toys and books because it's a foster home. And the whole neighborhood is just a bunch of foster homes. Mm -hmm. And I posted at my, in my area, I was like, we just need to zoom out a little bit because we're real comfortable within our confines of like, I don't want to live without outside of this little area because of the school district and all this stuff. It's really us saying like, this is our safe area and we're comfortable here but we're not comfortable looking at like, what is it like around us? And when we only focus on our stuff, we can't see the rest of the world. And then we don't, like you said, we think our stuff is so big and sometimes it is so big, but the majority of the time it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other hand, if you zoom in too much, you can see all, I mean, everything looks imperfect. Just like like you said, like if you were to zoom in on Google maps to your house and your yard, you're going to see the weeds and you're going to see. That's why I can't get one of those mirrors that they have in the hotels that you get to see like every single pore. Cause I, my whole face would look, would be destroyed. Cause I'm like, yeah, it would be a mess. Um, we could talk forever. I just have a few more questions because I know that we have time constraints. What are, do you have any like rules for clients or any like things that you will not work with that you notice that you're like, this is not a healthy choice or like for me with my clients for divorce, they're not allowed to say anything negative about the other parent Mm -hmm. and they have to agree to be in the same space, like for activities. Are there any things that you're like, if you're not willing to do this, we're not going to be able to work together. I have not run into anything, um, of that sort yet. Um, (laughs) for the most, yeah, for the most part, everybody's very willing to do because they're coming to you wanting to do that. 
Yeah. Usually people that come to me are, are desperate for a change. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, resisting they, it, right. My, my work is more, the people are angry and yeah. they don't want to be doing this. It's not so black and white. And so it's, I have to have some rules because otherwise they'll be behave poorly. Yeah. Um, and there's also times where I will refer people on for extra, like you really need to probably go see a psychotherapist yes. or, um, are a functional nutritionist or I have, I have a list of referrals of like people that I, you know, will push them onto. What we really do is I help them make the hard steps or they will come to me after they've been given a plan and they can't do it on their own. They just, they need, need your, support. they need you to be accountable. So with that being said, what would you say to our, our listeners who are going through some extreme emotional pain and baggage and heaviness and talking away like you've been talking about? Mm-hmm. Do you, what guidance would you give to help let go of what they're holding on to? So I have, there are some steps, kind of a, a daily checklist that Let's really, that really kind of helps with that. Cause it's not going to happen overnight. Like you have to make very, very intentional, intentional choices. Like you have to be able to work backwards and see what it was that got you there. And that's not always easy. Um, meditation has helped a lot for me and it, meditation does not always mean meditation. It can be just quiet time where you're alone with your thoughts, where it's like physically quiet, because what I have found is that we kind of live in a world where there's constant stimulation. We're constantly being stimulated. And that creates a situation where you don't have to be alone with your thoughts. You we're not alone anymore. You know, we're, we, we don't, we're not able to shine a light on those, those dark places that we don't want to go to and pull out and deal with. Right. So, When's the last time someone went to the bathroom without their phone? Correct. <laughs> correct. I mean, guilty, right? Yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're, you're never alone with your thoughts. So taking time during the day, uh, daily or several times a week to just quiet your mind, be alone with your thoughts. Um, I have a meditation app that I use, which one do you like? Um, it's called Insight Timer. Oh yeah, I use Insight Timer. Yeah, yeah. So actually, my kids even use that one. So yes, to help me them. too yeah. because they can't and fall I, asleep, and I'm like, yeah. you know, just choose Insight Timer. That's one of your always allowed apps. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so that one's really important. Um, and then intentionally choosing a positive mindset, and that one's really hard, especially right now. Yeah. Cause if you think about how much turmoil and craziness, like the world feels crazy yes. right now, it feels, it is because it yes. is, <laughs> it feels very heavy and it feels really crazy. And there are a lot of things that can make you angry. And, but again, if you are like, you, you can't choose and you can't control like what is happening around you, but you can control how you react to it. Mm-hmm. And so having that mindset and choosing intentionally to have the mindset of how I'm going to choose to react to the things that I can't control actually gives you a little bit of control. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, and then let me see, what else do we do? Um, because perfection was a really big 
part of my life and kind of all the things that I was internalizing about myself, reminding yourself during the day to strive for grace, <clears throat> not perfection, because oh, it's, it's not that. sustainable. Strive it's not sustainable. Grace, not perfection. What does grace mean to you? realizing that I can't do it all. And that's okay. If, if what I had on my list today didn't get done, it's not the end of the world. It's so <laughs> you know? funny that you said that I just posted that this morning on Instagram, my friend, again, Sarah said to me, and I wrote it down. And I liked it so much that I had to like highlight every word I wrote. You will not get everything done and done as an in quotation marks, because I don't even yeah. know what that means today, focus on how you behave in each moment because yeah. it doesn't like, so I confession, um, because I don't have enough going on in my life with three kids, a husband, another state, like multiple businesses, a dog, and you know, many more things. I also am going to be adapting two kittens and I know, um, because my middle son who I have the hardest time connecting with, because he just doesn't do a lot of emotional communication on like, I want to like download everything together. Um, mm -hmm. He's massively in love with animals. His birthday's coming up. And after all of this, you know, searching, I realized that we really do after fostering and everything, we need to adopt two kittens. And I reached out to my friend um, who's three doors down, who her son's, who is best friends with my son, Lincoln, ha has um, a horrible shitty form of cancer. And they found out in June, 13 years old. And I said to her, I said, to Emily, I sent her a picture of the two kittens and I said, talk me out of this. Yeah. And she said, I can't, but I do have a question for you. And I said, what? And she said, how much joy do you want in your life? And, yeah. you know, coming from her, um, I know that if my son was in her son's position, it would not even be just a question. It would be like, of course, we're going to do this. this is what he wants. Like, why wouldn't we make our lives more joyful? Yes, it's me more work, but everything that's that is meaningful is work, right? And yeah, so and it's all that, about perspective. Right. Sure. And so my question for you, because I know we have to go, is my last question. I don't know if you have the answer because I'm thinking of my answer too, is what are you currently holding on to that's no longer serving you? Or that you know you need to work on letting go of? I, I probably, I still, oh gosh. It's a hard one. It's, it? it's different. It's different all the time. Honestly, like there are things that come up. Um, there are still issues that come up that I fight with, uh, feeling certain guilt over my dad's death. I was the last person to see him and talk to him like in our family. I Have you know. ever written a letter to yourself at 11 years old? No, I used to letter write a lot. Is my favorite. So I wrote, I used to write a lot, um, as a kid, but never, never to myself. I, I feel like I, I continually go through that. So, and I probably I want you to always consider will. that. I want you to consider yeah. writing a letter to the Brandy that 11 was year old me the night after or that night. Mm -hmm. And I want you to write from the Brandy you are today. Yeah. And what you would say to her that no one said to her that you wish someone would have said to her. It'll be very uncomfortable. It doesn't mean it's going to go away. But like, I think yeah. that sometimes we need to be exactly what we needed. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And you're right. It, it will be super uncomfortable because I'm very much, 
I go through it and, and you want to tuck it away, in, but you need it. I do. do. And actually, strangely enough, that's one of those things that I will continue to talk about and deal with. The things that I tuck away are like the stupid stuff, stupid stuff. Like what, if I do this, will, how will such and such think about me? Yeah. And I remember I had somebody tell me, I, um, there was a point that my mom put us kids, um, in, to see a therapist after our dad died. And I remember those, that was one of those big things to me that I, I cared way too much about what people thought about me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I remember saying to the therapist at the time, well, such and such, you know, thinks this about my life because my dad's not here and we don't live in the fancy, house. whatever it was. I don't even remember what it was. And she said, are you a mind reader? <laughs> and I said, no, she's, you have no idea what that person thinks about you. And it's true. And I remind myself about that to this day. Like I have no idea what people think about me, but we think we do. We think we do. We think that we know what everyone. That's probably one of the biggest things that I I struggle with. Yeah. 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 For sure. I'm reading to you my favorite thing, which I, we need to find for you because they have it on like, um, those cross stitching things, which I'm horrible at, but I I love (laughs) ready for it. And then I will close. Behold the field in which I grow my fucks, lay thine eyes upon it, and thou shalt see that it is barren. That needs to be your goal. I love it. You need to be like, look, I only care about my kids, my relationship, yeah. and how I treat the world and myself, and that's it. The rest of it yeah. is not my business. Yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> you're right. All of my listeners, where they can find you to work with you, because now one of the beautiful parts of 2020 COVID land is we get to work with people all over the world because of Zoom. Yes. So how can and we I find love it? And it's so crazy too, because most of my clients are actually not where I live. They're Me too. in other states. And I love um, it. And I'm probably never going to go back to non-virtual. I know. It's so easy. <laughs> um, I am at wellness360coach.com slash brandy dash eilert. And I'll obviously Brandy Eilert Wellness on um, fake Facebook and Brandy Eilert Wellness Coach on Instagram. So I will include all of this. I am and Life on Purpose podcast. Yes, and And Life on Purpose um, is my podcast, and there's all kinds of great information and guests. And part two of your interview is coming out on Monday. And I got to have your fave, my new favorite human, um, Lauren Dragon Cook. Did I say her name right? Yes. Yes. She came on. Yes. She did a reading for me and for my husband, which we both were hysterically crying in. So it's like, you're like the bringer together of amazing humans. Oh, I love it. She was, she's amazing. I can't wait to continue this friendship. I hope it goes on until we are no longer here. And I hope one day I get to say to you, remember when you cared about what other people thought of you and you'll be like, oh, (laughs) behold the field. Thank you so much. I love it. Thanks, Carly. Appreciate it. For any listeners out there who want help with divorce coaching, please contact me at inyourcornercoach at gmail.com. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and the world around us. Have a great day.